Good evening, good evening, good evening. You are listening to Simply Jewel, a typical podcast. Well, tonight, everybody, I am uh, bringing on another special guest who is going to speak on uh, chronic pain and also talk about um, scientific evidence, I guess, uh, theoretically. And I'm just going to let him take the floor. kind of interested and excited about listening to what um, Mitchell has to say. Mitchell Yaz, who uh, created the uh, Yaz Method. So let's bring him on. And everybody, Simply Jewel, a typical podcast where we are atypical of the average. Hello, the hello, hello. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you for agreeing to come on again. I apologize for all the, um, what, what I cannot do. I'm just learning how to, uh, be a little more proficient on these social platforms. There's eight social platforms, including, um, breaking news journal tv uh so we'll be looking forward to you coming back on again so that you can introduce uh and uh continue to educate those on your findings so um let's just get down to it i'll go ahead and let you introduce yourself and also um let's talk about uh your findings and what's great about your your method Sure. So I have a doctorate in physical therapy, which is my credential. I got it 28 years ago. And during the period of time I was being educated, I started to recognize that what was being taught didn't really have a lot of strong logical basis to it. And being who I was as a child, I was taught analytical thinking. So I was taught to accept nothing that's not logically based. You have to analyze it and see if it's logically based. If not, you can't accept it. So um, as I was in the educational component, uh, the, the schooling, the learning, the curriculum aspect, a lot of things that were being said about how to diagnose the cause of pain just didn't make a lot of sense. So I was suspect from there. And then finally, at the end of the educational process, you do your affiliations which is where as a student, you're now going to treat people. And so now being a physical therapist takes on a whole different light. Now it's not just being in a class and passing tests. Now you're actually going to have to treat people. And so what happened was I would be doing an evaluation. And to me, the most logical thing, the very first question I would ask is, can you tell me where your pain is? Point to your pain. And the most amazing thing happened as I was doing this, where the person was pointing to was not the place where it should be. If the identified structural variation that was identified in the, on the MRI as the cause of pain, what to elicit pain. So I'll give you like a really obvious classic example. So let's say someone was having pain two inches to the right of their spine in their lower back. So their pain isn't on their spine, it's to the right of the lower spine, two inches off to the side. And they'll come back, they'll get an MRI, and it'll show that they have a compression fracture of L4. 
So there's a fracture of a vertebrae in the lumbar region. Well, why? where would you expect a compression fracture of a lumbar vertebrae to elicit pain? Obviously, at the spine, where the fracture is in the L4 vertebrae. But that's not where the person's complaining of their pain. They're complaining of their pain two inches off to the right. Well, clearly, the vertebrae compression fracture could not be the cause of the pain because it can't cause pain there where the person's experiencing it. So once you recognize this, you have to say to yourself, are you going to follow what you were taught or are you going to take it upon yourself to try to interpret the symptoms to understand what tissue was creating them and being who I was I decided that I was going to just listen to what the person said ask lots of questions do an evaluation of the body and determine what tissue was in distress eliciting their symptoms and what I found almost right away was the fact that in almost all cases the tissue in distress eliciting pain was muscle. Mm. So in this particular case, where it was two inches to the right, it just so happens that's where the lower back muscle called the quadratus lumborum attaches from the bottom of the rib cage to the top of the pelvis. So I would press on that person's lower back muscle and they'd say, yep, yep, that's it. That's where my pain is. So I'm confirming that in fact, the tissue eliciting the pain is the lower back muscle. Now I have to figure out from a muscular perspective what would cause that muscle to strain and address whatever muscles are either weak or imbalanced by performing targeted progressive resistance exercise. And within a treatment or two or three treatments, the person was pain-free and fully functional. And this was happening on a consistent basis. Okay. So talk about artist art in science. Well, you, yeah, you you sound like me, where you use your artistic ability to help you help the client to find their pain. Sure. Well, what what because of my science background, uh, you you want to look at science from a theoretical basis. Sure. What is the theoretical theoretical basis by which the MRI is used? What is the clinical representation? Our findings, what they should be, if in fact the MRI is identifying the cause of pain, and then there's scientific evidence. Well, clearly studies have been done based on the use of MRIs and surgeries related to MRI findings. So if we look at the theoretical basis, we can start with that. We would say that the theory by which the MRI is used is known as correlative theory or junk science. What they're saying is that If a person's having pain and a structural variation like a herniated disc, a stenosis, a pinched nerve at the spine, a meniscal tear or a labral tear um, at at, uh, the hip or the knee, um, arthritis of a joint, any of these type things that are picked up on MRIs or x-rays, if that is found for the first time at the time the person's having pain, it is asserted to be the cause of the pain. Everyone would acknowledge that is the basis of this. That is known as correlative theory. It is the equivalent of saying, if I open my front door when the sun rises, I can say opening my front door causes the sun to rise. 
Now, you could come to my house for the next six months every day, and I will open my front door as the sun rises so I can say, I've proven to you opening my front door causes the sun to rise, and you've seen it, so you almost have to say, well, I mean, how can I dispute it? Clearly, he opens the front door and the sun rises. But from a logical perspective, you would recognize that's insanity. There are other factors that are involved in the sun rising, unrelated to me opening the front door. It just is correlative. It's happening at the same time. Well, the finding of the herniated disc, the stenosis, the arthritis, being found at the time for the first time at the time of your pain is just correlative. There are lots of questions that have to be asked. Since this is, the, this is the first time you're getting that MRI, I would ask, do you think, let's say you, you were found to have a herniated disc? What if we took an MRI six months ago or a year ago or two years ago? Do you think the herniated disc would be identified? The answer is probably yes. Disc degeneration isn't something that occurs in a day or a week or a month. It takes years to develop. Right. So because you've had your pain for two weeks or three weeks and they found the herniated disc now, that's not to say that the herniated disc hadn't been there for the last year or even decade. It could be, but you don't know that. Then we want to look at it from the other side. Well, if people are going to be told that herniated disc caused pain, then we have to say, well, in those people who don't have pain, they shouldn't have herniated discs, right? Because herniated disc caused pain. Well, by 1994, the first study on people with no lower back pain, no lower back pain at all, shows 70% of the population have bulging or herniated discs. Wow. Well, that goes against the concept that if herniated discs cause pain, then people without pain should not have herniated discs. Well, it turns out 70% of the population who don't have pain have bulging or herniated discs. And what this begins to present is the idea that these structural variations are independent variables to the cause of pain. That they exist, but they may not have anything to do with the tissue in distress eliciting symptoms. So that is the, the, the theoretical basis why the MRI is not valid. Okay. It's based on correlative theory, junk science. It doesn't follow what you would expect in a presentation of a study. Then we go on to the clinical aspect, and as I was saying before, I, I need people to understand this. In more than 99.99999% of the cases, I have treated people over the last 28 years, the presentation of the symptoms the person was having did not match what the presentation of symptoms should be if the identified MRI finding what to elicit pain. So literally, the person is having symptoms that couldn't be caused by the identified structure. Therefore, the structure can't be causing the pain. It's just the way where it works. It's clear. And this has happened in more than 99.9999% of cases I treated. That's crazy. And seeing this is part of what I try to say, um, you know, and you mentioned that you have a method uh, to help people. See, because the thing, here's the thing. When people have pain, nurses, medical staff usually say, what's your pain level? 
on a scale of one to 10. And then to help live in that pain, we always say you can't tell anybody what their pain level is. But why is it that nobody's trying to figure out how to, well, clearly you have figured out a a method, but why are we not doing more studies on finding a way to reduce the pain? Well, because over 40 years, there has been a sociological acceptance of the MRI as this gold standard for identifying the cause of pain. Once you get your diagnosis, the herniated disc, stenosis, arthritis, meniscal tear, pinched nerve, whatever you get, you accept that diagnosis. And as chronic pain persists, and you're trying all these treatments, and you're trying all these medical practitioners, and you're trying surgeries and drugs and everything else you're doing, everything is based on the premise that the diagnosis derived is true, and you just haven't found the right treatment yet. That's the fallacy. The fallacy is that the diagnosis from its inception was false. That's why another tissue remains in distress and continues to be in distress, eliciting the emergency distress signal of pain. That's the part nobody gets because for 40 years, everybody has accepted, well, if the MRI said that, that must be the cause. And I guess I have to accept that as the cause. It's bullshit. It's a lie. It's a fallacy. It's baseless. I mean, every bit of evidence. There's when I, I want to make this clear. There's no evidence that the MRI finding is accurate. None. Zero evidence. You accept it. You accept it because it's been shoved down your throat for 40 years. But when you look at the theoretical, clinical, and scientific evidence, it shows that this is being done by nothing more than correlative theory. Jumps on. Listen, I could say that at the time you're having your pain, you have two elbows, and MRI is going to show you have two elbows. So why can't we say having two elbows is the cause of your pain? Why is that so different from finding an MRI uh, finding of a herniated disc? Because it's the same exact thing. You're not finding causation. You're finding correlation. Correlation is meaningless. It's, it's called junk science for a reason. It doesn't have any value. And yet globally, this continues to perpetuate and has for 40 years. It's the greatest lie. The greatest lie ever perpetuated in medical treatment. Nothing bigger has been done in a faulty means than the use of the MRI. It has led to chronic pain, but let's take it further. Levels of depression, numbers of suicide. I, it has destroyed the human population. Because of pain. One singular issue, because of pain, because chronic pain. And, and the perception is that chronic pain is now like chronic illness, it's acceptable. Oh, you have chronic pain? Yeah, oh yeah, I, I, I just have to live with it. Uh, what, what does that even mean? It doesn't even make sense. Right. Think right. about this. Let's talk about this concept. When does pain begin? Pain begins at inception of distress of a tissue. When a tissue begins to go bad, it needs the person to recognize that it's not functioning properly. So it elicits a very specific set of symptoms. Every tissue can elicit a very specific set of of symptoms. It does it at the inception of distress of the tissue. As soon as it goes bad, 
it's going to ignite the symptoms so that you become aware of that tissue, get an intervention, resolve the stress of that tissue, right? So if you go to a proper diagnostician, say like someone in the Yachts method, and you identify the tissue in distress at its inception and resolve the stress of that tissue, when should pain always begin? When should pain always end? In the acute stage, right? It's going to happen yeah. fairly quickly. So why does chronic pain exist? Why is it globally rampant? A billion people worldwide, 130 million Americans. Clearly, something is systemically wrong. What's wrong? You're getting the wrong initial diagnosis. As a result of that, all treatments follow based on that. I'm sorry. I just have to make, am I hearing that correctly? So pain is in the muscle of the, the tissue of the muscle. And so there's one, four, four ways pain will, muscle will elicit pain. There's four primary right. mechanisms. One right. is a muscle elicits pain. So okay. you have lower back pain, you have neck pain, right? You have shoulder pain. That pain is literally being elicited by the pain receptors in the muscle. The, mu the, the weakness, strength, muscle, muscle weakness. Right. Gotcha. Oh. You have a force requirement, right? You're doing activities. You're doing it against gravity. So there's a force requirement to do activity. Your muscles have to push against gravity to allow you to do the activities. If all the muscles don't have enough of a force output for the force requirement, the muscles strain and elicit pain. The muscle okay. itself elicits pain. Then you could have pain in a joint. Well, the joints move. The joint surfaces of a joint are located and move based on the attachments of the muscles that attach to the joint. Well, if there's weakness or imbalance, you can get a misalignment of the joint surfaces and they could rub in a way that they shouldn't. So pain around the kneecap is typically the result of a, a tight quad, a weak quad, an imbalance, a strain of the iliotibial band. But it's some muscular deficit which is causing a misalignment of the kneecap. It's not running through the joint the way it should. So it elicits pain. So pain at a joint comes from muscles. Muscles themselves refer symptoms. So the person who's laying on their shoulder and lay, when they're sleeping on their side and wakes up with numbness in their hand, that's referred from the muscle itself. Not a nerve, but the muscle itself, the, the rotator cuff itself. muscle. Well, you I know that because when that. you stand up, the symptom goes away. So that muscles refer symptoms. So then finally, muscles can impinge on nerves and and the nerve then refers to symptoms such as sciatica sciatica is not some sort of structural deformation of the sciatic nerve it is almost always the result of a muscle called the piriformis muscle straining and impinging on the nerve so you have a muscular cause creating a neurological symptom so those four mechanisms account for 98 percent of people's pain do any wow. of those muscular causes show up on an MRI? No, they don't right. show up on it. Right. They don't show up on an MRI. If you recognize that there was a guy saying that 98% of cases, that 98% uh, of cases of pain are caused by muscle, and these muscular causes don't show up on MRIs, how could anyone accept an MRI finding as being valid? as to determine the cause of their pain. How could anyone accept that? 
Well, that's interesting you say that because when I um, ask questions as well, uh, they'll say they had an MRI and I'm like, well, what were the findings? And they say normal. So that's interesting that you say that. So moving on, what do you think? What do you think now in these unprecedented times? Uh, what are some of the things people can do or what, what, what would you suggest? And, um, that people do when they even if they say oh i have an mri i always go like we're into a new year um and they're getting an mri what can you tell them or what can they ask their doctor moving forward well we can start with this idea if you're hearing this you have to question whether the right path for establishing the cause of your pain is to get an MRI. I'm telling you, after 28 years and thousands of people I've treated, 98% of cases, the cause is muscular, and muscular causes don't show up on MRIs. Well, why do you think, if the MRI is so good and so effective, why aren't treatments to address these structural variations working to resolve the number of people suffering from chronic pain? Clearly, something is wrong. The number of people since the advent of the use of the MRI suffering from chronic pain has never gone down. It has only gone up, only gone up. That has to be something that people question. Now, the idea, the sociological acceptance that the diagnosis is correct, I don't understand. If, if it's so correct, why isn't anyone getting better based on these diagnoses? So if you're in pain and you're hearing this, you have to, at some point, be willing to say, maybe, holy mackerel, it's possible that the global establishment, the, the presentation of the MRI as the gold standard for identifying the cause of pain is wrong. Now, you're going to say, well, you're one guy against the global population. How could you be right? Well, every time a visionary comes up with someone new, something new, they're obviously going to be questioned. They're obviously be going to be considered outside the realm of normal thought. But if you think yeah. that the medical system has never made a mistake, I'll give you a great example. George Washington was killed by his doctors. This wow. is irrefutable, absolute fact. George Washington went out riding. He ends up getting pneumonia at the time. The thought process for the global population, medical population, was that someone had some sort of infection was to bleed them in the area. They used a razor-like device. So they bleed George Washington in his neck, which actually caused an inflammatory response and ended up suffocating him. George Washington was killed by his doctors. It's irrefutable. Those tools are in the Smithsonian Institute. So do you think that they were just crazy guys? Were they lunatics? Were they doing something that wasn't perceived to be the norm? No, they were doing exactly what they were told to do and what at the time was considered the highest level understanding. And it was wrong, completely wrong. Okay. So the idea that the, that the MRI must be right because it's being used it's just nonsense. I get that there's thousands of cases in the history of the medical system where things were thought to be right and they were wrong. This is yeah. wrong. I'll give you another concept. Here's something obvious you can think of. If you're having lower back pain, 
And your pain is when you're standing or bending or twisting. But if you sit down or lie down, your pain goes away. How could that be structural? How could that be structural? If it's structural, wouldn't you, whether it's a herniated disc or stenosis or pinched nerve, is it pinched or stenosis or herniated when you're standing? But when you sit, it's no longer herniated or pinched or stenosis? It doesn't make any sense. If you don't have pain, are you saying you no longer have the herniated disc with the stenosis? If you're having bone on bone, the magical fake bone on bone diagnosis at the knee, and you have pain when you walk upstairs or if you walk for a while or if you kneel, but if you sit down, you don't have any pain, you're not bone on bone anymore? So you're not bone on bone when you sit down, but you're bone on bone when you stand? You have to recognize that if you're only having your symptoms associated with activity, you have just thus justified my position that the cause of your pain is muscular because muscle is responsible for activity. And when you stop doing activity, you don't use your muscles. So the pain disseminates, dissipates, and oftentimes goes away completely. How could you not see that as factual? It's clear. It's irrefutable. Well, so see, I, I don't know, this, yeah. but I do know people that have spoke on, you know, like you said, with the knee and there's um, bone on bone. Well, that's but a fallacy. No so, now that, and that's the lie. <laughs> so how is that, how is that diagnosis achieved bone on bone through an x-ray or an MRI? Well, and an I orthopedist interprets it. An orthopedist See, interprets an image, correct? Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. A lot of these people, they don't have access uh, to uh, the social platforms where they can ask questions because uh, that's the reason for the podcast. We can get people to come on. We can do Q&As and talk about what's going on so that they can understand it. But what I did do as a research, uh, I saw where... Well, I think there was a review where a lady said she was waiting on uh, getting into her doctor, but she met you. And I think it was like three months uh, before she had to wait three months uh, to get into her doctor's appointment, but you helped right. her. So can right. you talk a little bit about that? Like what exactly helped her and how is she doing now? I don't know. It was that recent. I, I don't know. I've had hundreds of reviews, so it's hard for me to know specifically, but basically just going, finishing the bone on bone point, the diagnosis is derived from an X-ray and MRI. So it's an image that's interpreted by a guy or woman who does surgery for a living. That's not exactly the most uh, um, objective person that you would think of going to. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Secondly, can the image identify, let's say, a 30-second of a joint space? Can the image differentiate being 0% joint space versus a 30-second event? The answer is no. So you may have joint space, but it can't be identified. So by definition... The idea of identifying being bone on bone through an x-ray or MRI is baseless because any aspect, even a small aspect of joint space allows the joint to function normally. So you got to forget that. So then the next question is, well, is there a physical presentation that would tell someone if they're bone on bone? The answer is yes. 
if there's no bo- if there's no joint space, which is to say you're bone on bone, then you can't allow the the two bo- joint surfaces to glide on one another, which allows for normal range of motion. So if you don't, if you're bone on bone and have no joint space, there has to be a major loss of range of motion. And at that endpoint where it can't go any further, it has to feel like a bone sitting another bone. Well, I've treated thousands of people over 28 years, and in two 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 cases, have I ever seen that? Every other case where the person was diagnosed as being bone on bone and scheduled for surgery, I showed that they had full range of motion. The cause of their pain was muscular, and within a couple of weeks, they were pain free and fully functional. These are people scheduled for joint replacement. So you have to understand the physical presentation of the body will always tell the truth. Images say what is, not necessarily what's causing pain, not the tissue in distress, and they're images that are interpreted by people you're going to, who are determining whether you should get surgery, who do surgery for a living. That doesn't sound like that's the most constructive way of establishing a diagnosis. So, in terms of What people do,、um, a high percentage of people I actually do Zoom sessions with. I've been doing Zoom sessions for six, seven years now, and I do them for countries all over the globe. And basically, what happens is that we start the Zoom session. I ask just like what we talked about. I ask lots of questions about the person's history, what brought on their pain, what makes it worse, what makes it better. I ask them to point to where their pain is. We try to get an understanding of where the pain begins, where the pain ends, because without that understanding, you don't have a diagnosis. You have a diagnosis. By the way, let's be very clear: a diagnosis must have two components. You must identify a tissue. So the idea of saying that someone has whiplash, someone has fibromyalgia, someone has a CP,、uh, what is it, CRPS,、uh, no, CP. Chronic, what is it? Complex pain, regional CRPS, complex regional pain syndrome, right? Think of that diagnosis: complex regional pain syndrome. What is the tissue in distress that can be treated? No tissue. It's just saying that a person has a lot of pain in a big area, and we don't know the cause of it. That is not a proper diagnosis. Fibromyalgia is not a proper diagnosis. Whiplash is not a proper diagnosis. Patellofemoral syndrome is not a proper diagnosis. A proper diagnosis must identify a tissue, stenosis of the liver, or stenosis, cirrhosis of the liver, stenosis of the mitral valve. It has to identify a tissue because that's what's going to have to be treated. So you got to identify a tissue, and secondly, the symptoms being experienced. Must be the symptoms that that tissue would create. If you've gotten those two things, then you could say you have a viable diagnosis, and now you could go on and treat the tissue. So part of the diagnostic method of the OS、uh, in the OS method is we go through a history, then we ask for a physical evaluation to be performed. A certain tests are done, single leg stand. We look for postural variations, movement pattern variations. And we're trying to identify whether the tissue is structure, which I couldn't fix. I'd have, you'd have to be referred to a, a specialist, or muscular. Well, as I've said, in more than 98 percent, 98 to 99 percent of the cases, the cause is muscular. 
So once the cause is identified to be muscular, then I put the person through a series of exercises, and I demonstrate the exercises, and then the person performs them under my supervision. We typically use resistance bands. I teach them how to progress resistance. Which is the way you cause individual muscles to get stronger until their force output is greater than the force requirement of their activities. That's how they become pain-free and fully functional. So that's the essence of how the Yas method works. And it doesn't matter where your pain is from head to toe. In almost all of these cases, it is muscle which is responsible. I'm going to ask you to repeat that one more time for the people in the back. I can't. I、sure. didn't hear that. Let's tell them、sure. one more time. Yeah, to be absolutely clear, after 28 years and thousands of cases, I can affirm that whether your pain is from your head to your toe, in more than 98% of these cases, the cause is muscular and can be resolved by understanding which muscles are responsible. Performing the appropriate exercises, utilizing progressive resistance until the force output of all the muscles required for the activity, which is leading to your symptoms—you've described that—is greater than the force requirement of that activity. You will be pain-free and fully functional. I don't care if we're talking about headaches, migraine headaches, all the way down to plantar fasciitis. These, in most cases, are muscular-based symptoms. Nice, nice. Now, in where can they find you if they need,、yep. if they want to speak with you again? Like we say, we can come on to the other social platforms and、um, do a Q and A. But、sure. in the meantime, since we're you know close to the holidays, can they shoot you an email? Where can absolutely. they absolutely? Absolutely. So anyone can email me, and oftentimes people Google my name, and it looks like I'm this big wig guy, and I'm never going to get back to the person, and they are hesitant to email me. I answer every email I get. You can email me at drmitch@mitchellyas.com. It's D R M I T C H at M I T C H E L L Y A S S dot com. Drmitch@mitchellyas.com or If you want to actually go on to my website, there is a contact us button, and that is livewithoutpains.com. Plural, livewithoutpains.com.、Uh, there's a lot of information on there. There's my blog, testimonials, a lot of information about how the method works, and finally, there is a contact us button. If you choose to schedule a session, a Zoom session, a Yas Method Zoom session, you can do that on the website as well. Very nice. Okay, so what we're gonna do is put all of that in the description so that people can contact you, and then、um, we're going to do a Q and A. I'm I'm asking、uh, all the people. We're doing a new season,、uh, season fours for a lot of specialists, and where we could get on a panel and answer questions like a Q and A with many listeners. On, like I said, several different platforms, because that's what I'd like to do. I'd like to bring awareness and give people alternatives, or、uh, in addition to whatever they're doing. And and I like to say every, you know, for those that have an ear to hear, because usually.、Um, 
what happens is everybody can't relate to alternative approaches or just gaining knowledge, gaining information is so new to people. So this is a perfect time uh, to come back together, bring awareness. We'll have them go to Living Without Pain. LiveWithoutPains.com. LiveWithoutPains.com. Yes. Yes. And then we'll have you come back on. And so with that being said, in closing, um, what what did I want to say? For those that have an ear to hear, that want to understand more, want to move on more uh, with questions, um, I just wanted to know, um, what was the question I had? We talked about the lady, oh, that she didn't need any prednisone. That's what that was. She didn't mm-hmm. need the prednisone because she got in touch with you three months prior to her doctor's appointment. And then, like we said, it's not for everyone. Everybody's not ready to receive information because it's new. So yeah, but think, think, but, but think about what you, that, that particular point you were making there. If, in fact, you're at the point in your treatment from the medical system where the best they're going to offer you are pain medications or anti-inflammatories or antidepressants, I want you to start thinking to yourself, what does that mean? What exactly does that mean? What that means is that the medical system is acknowledging that they are incapable of properly diagnosing the tissue in distress eliciting your symptoms. Or else they they identify it, resolve the distress of the tissue, which would end your pain for good. Well, since they're incapable of that, they go to the default mode, which to say is at best all I could do is mask your symptoms, minimize your brain's awareness of the symptom. But keep in mind, that is not to say that the tissue is not still in distress eliciting the pain signal, the emergency distress signal of pain. It's still doing that. They're just trying to minimize your brain's awareness of it. So nothing is being fixed. You are not getting better because they've given you a drug. And at least for some period of time, you're not feeling your pain. You're no better. For you to be better, you have to be able to identify the tissue that's eliciting your symptom and describe the intervention that's being used to resolve the distress of that tissue. Taking prednisone, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, antidepressants, um, pain medica, opioids, heroin, or anything else. Getting radiofrequency ablation, epidural nerve blocks, cortisone shots. None of that is addressing a tissue with an intervention to resolve the distress of that tissue. Really wrap your head around this. If that's where you are in your care, you must understand that the medical system has given up on you. And they will simply provide you these masking agents as long as you're willing to take it. But recognize, nobody is trying to establish the tissue in distress anymore. If that's not identified and it's distress resolved, it's gonna just keep emitting pain indefinitely. You got to recognize that. You got to understand the situation you find yourself. So if you find yourself in that position, for God's sake, be open to the idea that maybe there's some alternative mechanism that has developed a better, more efficient manner of diagnosing that tissue. 
That's well, what the Yas method is. As far as I know, it is the only diagnostic and treatment model. There's lots of people who will treat you. You could go to a chiropractor and get adjusted. You could go to a physical therapist. They'll give you some schlock exercise. You could go to a massage therapist. You could get acupuncture. You get lots of things. But how do you know that those are addressing the tissue that needs to be addressed if you don't get the proper diagnostic evaluation? Where, where does that come in? In those, they don't. There is no evaluation. So all that happens is you get the treatment. If it helps you, oh, good. If it doesn't help you, I don't know what to tell you. So you just get passed on and on and on. Stop the cycle. Recognize this is a diagnostic model. I will be able to, interpreting your symptoms, be able to tell you what tissue is creating those symptoms. You have to understand, without that, you go nowhere. You're just spitting on the wall and seeing if anything sticks. It's a bad way to go. When you're in pain, and I've treated right. people who are highly suicidal, have been depressed, all the negative emotions that come from never thinking this is going to end, you want to try to get out of that cycle as soon as possible. That is a very dark place to get, and lots of people. There's no confusion about the number of people suffering from depression and the suicidal rate skyrocketing over the last two decades. It's not an accident. The vast majority of that has been. Derived from the fact that people are in pain, they can't get rid of that pain, and they are wondering how long they could live with that and still be on this earth at the, at the, in that manner. And it's really leading to some very dark thoughts. Don't go into that. As soon as you sense that the system that you are using isn't powerful and appropriate enough to establish the tissue in distress, you need to move on. You can't get treatment without a proper diagnosis. You must see that as the first priority. Proper diagnosis leads to proper treatment. No diagnosis or invalid diagnosis leads to unending, worthless, baseless treatments. Well, that's that's good info. Now, let me ask you this: Who else is on your team, or, or uh, that can help with the proper diagnosis? Are you working with other doctors, or what? How can people know for certain that they're being diagnosed properly, not misdiagnosed? Well, as, yeah, as of now, it is just me. The Yas method is my method that I created. Uh, but we do believe we are on the path to creating, creating greater outreach, greater awareness, and in fact, I've developed a certification program uh, for practitioners. So the intent is to start training people, and as this grows, having people ready to go, so that it won't just be me; it'll be a certified YAS practitioner who can do the proper evaluation and treatment going forward. So we are planning for the future. This is a process that is underway. Nice, nice. Well, I appreciate that uh, because I say again the same thing.、Uh, there are a lot of people that have. There's art to science, and some of us are critical thinking and、uh, and critical thinkers、uh, mm -hmm. because we can see beyond not just. I would say scholarly or learning. We understand the mechanism of how the body works, but some of us create and implement our 
artistic ability so we can see through some things and now is the time to change so I appreciate you coming on and um, I look forward to speaking with you again I'm glad to know that uh, you have a plan for the future and I'm going to go right alongside with you because I have no problems uh, with working with people who have alternative uh, that can help masses of people and like you said you know sometimes it's just planting the seed cultivating it you're on a on the east coast um in a mountain time uh so that's what this platform is used for uh to help people come together bring awareness and everybody's got a story so that's why we are atypical of the average but again i just want to thank you for coming on stand by and anything else you want to tell the listeners before we end our episode tonight uh nothing other than i happen to live in jacksonville florida but it doesn't matter where you are in the world you could always schedule the yacht method zoom session and we can get you the right diagnosis the right treatment as i said in more than 98 percent of cases you may be incredibly surprised to recognize just how obvious the symptoms are that are telling you it's muscular you just don't have the right person who's interpreting those symptoms but once it is interpreted you would be amazed at how quickly you can be out of pain and be fully functional and the best part is once you recognize this who's going to make you stronger not me not a doctor you have to do it so once you get the right diagnosis and the proper understanding of the exercises, you take control of your life. You become empowered. You make sure that you're pain-free. You make sure that you're fully functional. And as long as you sustain this, it never comes back. That's the magic of the Yas method. Love it. I love it. And I agree with that. You know, people have to become proactive in their care and not just uh, assume that someone is going to care about them better than themselves. So thank you so much for that. And I appreciate it. And thank you for visiting and coming, stopping by. Uh, But stand by, would you? I'm going to say good night to the listeners as well. And um, let me get my papers out so oh that's okay we'll just i'll just say good night and we're talking about live without pain so i want to make sure that you stand by and i'll get all of that information thank you so much well there you have it ladies and gentlemen um we were just speaking with um mitchell yaz who um dpt um who was talking about chronic pain and that's some um good information everybody especially those that fail to thrive you know people are getting sick and tired of being sick and tired so we'll look forward to having um dr mitchell back on uh in the times weeks to come so that we can ask more questions get acquainted a little bit uh, a little more intimate there and thank you all you are listening to simply jewel a typical podcast where we are a typical of the average peace and blessings good night <laughs>